Move Forward Radio is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at MoveForwardPT.com. You're listening to Move Forward Radio, a podcast featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts with advice on how you can move forward. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Eric Reese. Since 2017, selected veterans who've lost limbs and served in the war zones of Afghanistan and Iraq have come to Maine in the summer, along with their families, for an all-expenses-paid vacation on the dime of a foundation created by war-wounded veteran Travis Mills, who himself is a quadruple amputee. But this retreat is much more than a destination for fun in the New England sun. It's a place where vets and their families can bond with one another, where fun leisure activities that might have seemed consigned to the injured person's past are made possible again, and where adaptive skills and strategies are imparted that can last the recipient a lifetime. But it didn't all spontaneously happen. Here to tell us all about this special retreat, the man who started it, and all that it represents to the wounded warriors it serves is Kelly Roseberry, program director of the Travis Mills Foundation. She discusses what brought her to the organization, how the retreat works, and why its emphasis on family is so vitally important. Here's our discussion with Kelly. So Kelly, you're program director of the Travis Mills Foundation, which since 2017 has operated, uh, I think it's fair to say, a rather unique retreat for wounded veterans and their families in Maine. Um, Before we get to the specifics of that effort, can you give us a little backstory on yourself and and what brought you into this role? Um, You come from a military background, correct? And, And you met actually Travis Mills in a work capacity. That's correct. So my dad is a retired colonel. I grew up living all around the world. The military life is all that I have ever known. I feel like my family instilled a great respect for our servicemen and women in me at a very young age. So I took my first full-time job out of PT school was to work at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center, and that's where I crossed paths with Travis um, very soon after he was initially injured. And, and what what had happened to Travis? He had put his backpack down on an IED and in improvised explosive device in Afghanistan in April of 2012. Um, So he was medevaced to Walter Reed and ended up, I was working in the amputee clinic at Walter Reed, and he ended up being one of our patients. And uh, I understand his his injuries. He was a, a, a multiple amputee, correct? That's correct. So he lost portions of both arms and both legs. He's a um, missing both legs above the knee, and then he's missing one arm above the elbow and one arm below the elbow. So Travis did recover to the point where he began to think about uh, establishing this uh, foundation and this facility, which you later came to work for. Can you can you walk us through all that? Sure. So Travis was um, sort of a force to be reckoned with as soon as he arrived in the clinic. He had one of those very positive go get him attitudes where you know he was determined to be the best father and husband that he could be and you sort of realized very early on that nothing was going to stop that and through i think his positive attitude and sharing that with others and how others were responding to him he realized that you know he had an opportunity to be able to sort of share that with others and help to encourage them and so he and his wife started um, the Travis Mills Foundation, 
and initially its goal was to send care packages downrange, um, and it grew so fast that they had the idea that they would start a retreat in Maine where family was the focus because Travis realized very early on in his recovery how important his wife, and at the time his daughter, he now also has a son, but how important his wife and daughter were to his motivation and to his recovery that he wanted to be able to extend that to others. Now, why Maine? How did that become the location? So Maine is actually where Travis's wife, Kelsey, is from. So this is home for her. He makes the joke that he wanted to go um, home to Michigan where he's from, and Kelsey said no, so here they are. Um, <laughs> but but to be honest, it's a, it's a very veteran-friendly community that has, completely embraced both Travis and Kelsey as well as their foundation. So we're thrilled to be up here. It's not somewhere that people normally go on a travel destination, so it's a different experience for a lot of people when they come, and it's really fun to be able to share that. Can you tell us something uh, about the uh, about the retreat? Uh, it's, it, it's not. I mean, people might think of it as kind of a, a vacation for veterans and their families, and it is that. But it's a but it's a lot more than that. So, can you give us kind of a general picture of the retreat? Things like who it's meant to serve and and how they're chosen, what the duration is that people are there, and and, and so on. Sure. So the retreat is a barrier free facility set in Rome, Maine, right on the lake. Our current mission is to serve post-9-11 veterans with permanent physical disabilities. So they can, these can range anywhere from amputations or spinal cord injuries and anything in between, honestly. Uh, we do host eight families at a time, and depending on the season, they come for five or six days. The summer is a little bit longer, and we offer a variety of adaptive activities and sports. We do some art things and snowshoeing and kayaking, swimming. We have a high ropes course golf, yoga. There's really something for everyone here. We wanted to create an environment that could get any member of the family excited for something. And so if they're interested in coming, we have a an application process and a request an application tab on our website. And so we kind of do a quick screening of them and then they fill out an application and based on eligibility and availability, we get them scheduled for whichever weeks we have open at the time. Can you talk more about the family aspect? Because you, you, you emphasize that. And, and in what ways are our families brought into this process of kind of helping veterans maybe take up things that they thought may, might have been lost to them, activities and ways of interacting with their families that they thought maybe they wouldn't be able to do again? We take a great deal of pride in being able to serve the whole family. We recognize that rehab is a lifelong process, and when someone is injured or goes through some sort of trauma that not only is the service member injured, but the injury affects the entire family, all the dynamics, and each member of that family is affected a little bit differently by what has happened. It may mean that it's harder to plan trips or find an access accessible destination. Things may take more time. Their tolerance activity may be lower. They may not think they can get on the floor and play with their kids or take them for a bike ride. And so we want to be able to not only encourage them, but also give them the tools to reach outside their comfort zone and do things with their family because at the end of the day, the family is their support system. They're the ones that will see them in both the good days and the bad days. They'll help when it's needed. They'll be their biggest cheerleader and their shoulder to cry on and the brunt of their frustration. And so mm -hmm. we think that they deserve a break also. We want them to be able to come here and to do things and have some semblance of normal where everyone isn't looking at them, everyone isn't expecting them to not be able to do things. 
we want to be able to create an environment that levels the playing field. How is that mission or fulfilling that mission reflected in the in the personnel on hand at the retreat? I mean, you're a physical therapist. Uh, do you wear your physical therapist hat, if you will, at the retreat? And, and how is that reflected in the other personnel who are helping veterans and their families uh, kind of negotiate the, uh, the retreat experience? I think once you have a PT hat, you never really take it off. <laughs> but my PT hat doesn't come with note writing or billing. I'm able to teach people how to get into a kayak or ride a hand cycle, how to help them get on the ropes course or swim with their kids. It might be something more basic like how to go upstairs better or how to get down a ramp safely or something that, you know, is much more functional and a little bit maybe less fun or high profile than doing a high ropes course. It's all the very best things about being a PT without the things that we would rather not do like paperwork. I am the only one on staff with any sort of a medical background. We hire as many veterans as we can, and we, you know, have sort of a great team of people that just believe in the mission and the people that we serve. A quick break to tell you about Choose PT, the American Physical Therapy Association's national public awareness campaign. America is currently in the grips of an opioid epidemic. In some situations, dosed appropriately, prescription opioids are an appropriate part of medical treatment. But opioids only mask the sensation of pain, and opioid risks include depression, overdose, addiction, and withdrawal. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is urging healthcare providers to reduce the use of opioids in favor of safer alternatives like physical therapy for treating pain. Learn how a physical therapist can help you at moveforwardpt.com slash choosept. And now, back to this episode of Move Forward Radio. Well, speaking of veterans, you have, in a sense, a veteran on staff there who, to my understanding, you, you don't even have to pay. Uh, your, your husband uh, is a veteran and has a, a related uh, disability. Can you, can you talk about that and the role that your husband, Chris, plays there? Sure. So my husband is also an amputee. He was injured um, 13 years ago in a motorcycle accident while stationed at Fort Bragg and then re-injured about four years ago uh, in Afghanistan again. And um, he's the facilities manager at the retreat. So, you know, it's kind of fun getting to ride to and from work every day with your spouse. You know, you share the highs and the lows. You know, when somebody does something for the first time, I don't have to go home and tell him. Chances are he was on a llama or somewhere and saw the same thing. Um, so it's really, you know, it's a lot of fun. It's a, I have a different appreciation. I get to serve them while I'm here. And then I understand what it's like to go home and, to, you know, maybe deal with some of those TBI issues or, you know, the fact that he may have to sit down because his leg is bothering him. But, you know, Chris is an incredibly functional person in terms of, of his amputation. So I'm lucky to be able to share that with him. To be clear, he lost a leg. Is that correct? Yes. So I guess in, in a sense, he's kind of a, a, a second set of eyes for you in, in terms of uh, seeing what the needs of uh, people at the retreat uh, might be. Absolutely. You know, we often will use him as sort of a guinea pig. Like, hey, can you get into this, sit on this chair, you know, take, we'll have him take his prosthetic off and we'll have him sit somewhere and, you know, can you, how can we get you from here to in there or, or we'll ha put him in a piece of equipment and say, you know, so is this comfortable or is this, you know, and he's just, he kind of gets to be the guinea pig a little bit and help us think through things sometimes because as a physical therapist, I hang my head very low if somebody comes here and I haven't figured out yet how to include them in an activity. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I imagine this is a, a very different role in physical therapy from what you envisioned you might be doing when you when you started your physical therapy career. What have the gratifications been for you? And and can you like maybe tell us about any sort of anecdotes of, of people you work with and have worked with their veterans and their families and, and the things the ways in which you feel that they've benefited from the experience? I have had people tell me that the experience of being here and being able to share these activities with their family has changed their life. And that at the end of the day, there is no, you know, formal clinical outcome measure that will ever stand the test of time like comments like that. It, you know, may not be something you can write in a physical therapy note, but it sure will get you out of bed in the morning. To be able to see a service member do something that they never thought they would do again or to see how happy their family is to watch them get to do that and Mm -hmm. to share in those moments together is something that I never could have imagined I'd be able to do on such a regular basis. So it's really priceless. Well, I, I know that the, that the retreat hasn't been up and running for all that long, but do people keep in touch? Have you, do you hear from people uh, afterward? I do. I hear from a lot of participants after they have attended the retreat through social media, and they'll keep in touch. I got a, an email on Thanksgiving from someone's mom who attended a caregiver retreat and her son's family has been here a number of times, and, you know, she just said when she counts her blessings this year, you know, she counted TMF twice and how thankful hmm. she was that this foundation is here and that it, it embraced her son's family and even thought to include, you know, mothers and fathers that are caregivers. Um, so, you know, you get to continue to watch their success. Sometimes it's sparked by what they've done here, and it, you know, they'll pick up an adaptive sports hobby to do at home or, you know, we'll help them get a piece of equipment that they need to be able to do it. So, yeah, we definitely keep in touch with them. We want them to come back. We always tell them they're now part of the Travis Mills Foundation family. Mm -hmm. And so anything that they need, we will find a way to help them get it. So even though there there are a limited number of spaces, uh, you you do encourage people to to, to come back uh, should they choose to do so. Right. So we have eight families at a time come, and we allow up to two families to be returning each week. Um, The thought process behind that was not only to allow people to continue to come back, but then also to have them sort of be a mentor to the new families, to encourage them to try something they maybe don't think they're going to like. Or, you know, the best part about being here is the campfire. They just offer a different level of encouragement and understanding that outsiders can't provide. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is the situation evolving? Do I understand correctly that it started off to be summer only, but it became year-round, or, or how did that work? Last year was the first year that the retreat facility itself was up and running. So okay. it's, a, um, it's a refinished building. We completely renovated the old Elizabeth Arden estate in Maine, mm-hmm. and the original plan last summer was that we were going to host seven weeks in the summer mm-hmm. and then sort of take a step back and figure out, okay, how did that go and where do we go from here? But right. It was quite obvious very quickly how successful it was and how much of an impact we were having. And so we expanded and we did 11 weeks last year to include one caregiver week. And then this year we added five more weeks, so we did 16. And then next year... We're set in February of 2019 to host our first true winter activity programs for the month of February. Wow, February in Maine. (laughs) 
you know, <laughs> most people are all for it if it means that it's only for a few days and someone else is doing the shoveling. And people <laughs> are, are happy to experience experience Maine in its true winter form. So, uh, Kelly, you, you had uh, talked about this a, a little bit earlier. You mentioned that you have a website, but uh, but just so people uh, know the procedure, if a person, if a listener to this podcast should be a veteran who fits your criteria or, or should know of such an individual and want to find out more about the Travis Mills Foundation and its work, what should that person's next step be? We have a website. It's www.travismillsfoundation.org. And on the website, we have three options. If you would like to nominate a veteran that you know that you think would be eligible to come, there is a Nominate a Veteran tab. If you're a veteran yourself and you want to request an application, that is also on there. Both of those are screening tools. Once the person has made it through um, the initial screening, then we send them the application. And they can apply to be able to come. We open the application only when we have programs on the schedule. So right now it's open for February of 2019, and then in February, we will open it for the remainder of the year for 2019. That's very exciting. Do you feel like you'll be moving to a kind of a year-round situation? It seems like you're taking up more and more weeks every every year now. Yes, the goal is to be a year-round facility. You know, we're constantly trying to adapt to meet the needs of those that we serve. We will break ground on two new buildings next year, to be able to offer additional activities. We'll have a, a conference center as well as an indoor pool and wellness center so we can offer swimming activities and kayaking and things like that in the wintertime also, um, as well as just sort of a giant space um, and a new culinary kitchen to be able to do um, some different activities. And, you know, we're looking at, at what that expansion is going to look like, and we want we want to be able to bring families back and meet different goals that they have. Do you? I'm just curious. Do you get uh, Do you get any uh, corporate funding, or is it uh, individual donations, or how uh, How do you uh, kind of keep the doors open and keep the lights on and all that? All of our funding is private. Uh, so some of it is, you know, a third grader who mails their lunch money in, or you know, a major corporate sponsor. We have no government funding. You know, it's good-hearted Americans that believe in the mission and, you know, want to do whatever they can to support. We treat every dollar the same. We're incredibly grateful for the amount of support that we have had up to this point, and we're excited, you know, to have those people in our corner and on our team as we move forward with this. Kelly Roseberry, um, happy holidays, and, and thanks so much for joining us on Move Forward Radio. We really appreciate it. You've been listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guest is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or find previous episodes at moveforwardpt.com. Move Forward Radio is brought to you by moveforwardpt.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Find a physical therapist near you at moveforwardpt.com.